The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. I want you to imagine with me a kingdom. A kingdom. Um, And I'm thinking specifically a medieval kingdom. And in this medieval kingdom, there is a king, and the king rules wisely and justly. He loves his people. He loves his kingdom. And in this kingdom, there is an orphan. The orphan has no family. The orphan has no possessions, nothing to call their own. This orphan lives on the streets and they steal just to be able to survive, just to have food. Um, They speak out against the king and his ways because of ignorance. They don't know any better. And and each day this orphan goes into the fields and, and works and works, and, and they work for a cruel taskmaster. And this taskmaster abuses them. He, he doesn't treat them right. He never gives them the pay that they deserve, but yet they go back to the fields each day because they have no option, no other option. And the only thing that they do possess is the rags that are on their back. They, they have no hope of a future of anything other than this. But then, one day, the king is, is walking through the streets and the crowd is coming up on the king and everyone wants to see the king and wants to speak to the king and the orphan is in the corner alone in rags. Nobody's paying attention to them but the king. He pushes the, the crowd aside and he sets his gaze on the orphan. And he comes and he, he, he runs towards the orphan and he picks the orphan up and he says, Today I'm going to make you my son. Today I'm going to make you my daughter. I know you owe debts to a lot of people. I know that you're under the bondage of a cruel taskmaster, but I'm going to pay all of your debts. I'm going to rescue you. And not only that, I'm going to bring you into the palace. You are going to live with me as a royal son. You're going to live with me as a royal daughter. I will be your father and you will be my child. And I'm going to take these rags that you have and we're going to remove them and we're going to give you robes that are fit for sons and daughters of the king. And now, under my loving care, now in the palace, under my protection, under my provision, you're going to grow up. You're going to mature as my son, as my daughter. You're going to learn how to um, shine forth my rule and my reign into the world forever. I'm never going to leave you, and I'm never going to forsake you. 
Some of you have already picked up on this. Um, this is your story. This is, this is my story. This is our story. Uh, Paul in Colossians 3 paints this picture of humanity that's kind of disturbing. Um, he says that humanity outside of the work of God is alienated from God. Uh, humanity outside of the work of God was hostile to God. Um, Paul paints this picture of the world that is, well, the walking dead. Um, spiritually, it's a zombie land. You see, the, the good news of the gospel is not that God takes good people and makes them better, but it's that he takes dead people and then he makes them alive. The good news of the gospel is uh, not that God takes good people and makes them better, but that he takes orphans and he makes them his son and his daughter. Uh, the good news is the gospel is that God has made his way through the crowd. He has pushed them aside. He has sought us out, even though we were alone, helpless, on our own, he has come to us, and through the cross, he has paid our debts. And through the cross, he has rescued us from all of our enemies. And so now, you and I, as rescued sons and daughters, now must learn to live, to, to mature, to grow up, to live in this sweet communion with him. And by his spirit, he's going to show us how to be his people. You see? He, he wants to show us how to reflect His goodness, His righteous, and His justice. But He's going to do all of this as we live with Him. As we're protected with Him. We, we may want to return to the rags that we once wore, but that wouldn't be fitting for children of the King. No, we, we must put on new robes. We must put on new robes. I, I think this image of salvation, uh, this image of adoption, this image of a zombie land, of the dead coming to life, of orphans being adopted and growing up as sons and daughters of the king helps us grasp what Paul is talking about in Colossians 3. In Colossians 3. Three, um, it's like he's telling the church, you're you're no longer orphans, so so stop living like an orphan. You're you're no longer a zombie, so so stop living like a zombie because that's not who you are anymore, right? That's not who you are in Jesus Christ. He tells them to put off these old practices, and he tells them to put on these new practices, right? Maybe we've heard this before. This is a really familiar passage, but as I was studying this passage, and, and as I was looking into this passage, I kind of kept asking the question, uh, how am I supposed to do this, right? Um, Jonathan is having his effect on me. How? Right? Um, how are we supposed to do this? Well, it's a good question. 
How are we supposed to put off these old rags, these selfish ways, and embrace this new selfless, self-sacrificial way of children of the King? Well, I think one of the ways that you and I are, are to put off this old life we read about and put on this new life is by embracing our new identity as sons and daughters of the King. By daily embracing our new identity as sons and daughters of the King. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 5-8 through eight with me. Colossians 3, verses 5-8. through eight. If you're not there yet, it's General Electric Parts Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You laugh. You're going to use that. I use it all the time. You can tell I've been speaking at a youth conference, right? <laughs> Want to make sure we're all there. All right, Paul says this in Colossians 3.5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. And these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. But Paul starts his passage here with a therefore, which points back to what he's previously said. Paul says, therefore, put to death what is earthly in you. Well, what's he said? What's he said in the what's he been saying, excuse me, in the passage? Well, he's been pointing to their identity, to their new identity. In chapter three, he's told the Colossians that they've been raised with Christ. They were dead, but now they've been raised to new life. He says that they've died to their old selves. And he says that now they're hidden in Christ. That's who they are. That's who you and I are now, safely hidden in Christ. And so therefore, because they've been raised to new life, because they've died to this old self, because they are hidden, now they're secure and safe in Christ, they are to put off these behaviors described that uh, embodied their old identity. Right? What does Paul do? He puts their new identity before them. Look what he says in verse 9. He does it again. He says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have what? Have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Again, Paul points to their new identity. He says, you used to live this old way, but not anymore. You've put off the old self, and you've put on the new. That's past tense. So, if you and I are to have lives that are transformed, lives that put off these selfish practices which cling to us, and we are to have lives that put on practices of love in compassion, then we must daily embrace our new identity. And how can we daily embrace our new identity? One way we can daily embrace our new identity is by constantly bringing our failures before God. One way 
that you and I can embrace our new identity is by daily bringing our failures before God. Um, when I was a teenager, <laughs> uh, when I was a teenager, I'd, I went to all sorts of youth events. You name it, I've been to it. Youth camps, D-Nows. Uh, D-Now, that's Disciple Now. If you don't know what D-Now is, that means you didn't grow up in a Baptist church or you didn't grow up in a non-denominational church that was really just a Baptist church that wanted to be cool. Um, but yeah, I would go to camps and I would go to D-Nows and I would go to DC Talk concerts and I've been to hell houses and I've been to Revelation Tribulation Trails. I mean, I've been to it all. Um, and many times at, at these events, at these uh, youth weekends, um, I, I really believed that God would move. <laughs> that in the mess of it all, uh, He would move and that He would reveal Himself to me and that He would convict me of my sin. And on Saturday night in the midst of the band playing and being hopped up on Mountain Dew and four bags of Skittles, I would go down front emotionally and I would make all these promises to God and I would say, God, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to do blank. I'm never going to do blank. And now I'm going to, to follow you. And well, I think we know what would happen next, right? I would go back to my day-to-day -day life and I would fail God. And the theology of teenage Brad said, okay, well, I've messed up after that emotional event. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to wait till the next camp, the next concert. And then I'm going to go back before God. And then I'll kind of start over, right? It sounds so silly, doesn't it? Um, but I need to confess to you all this morning, I, I'm not really sure I've ever gotten out of that rhythm um, I don't know if my life is one that is marked by daily bringing my sin before God. Uh, daily, I mean daily bringing my failures before Him. W when I was a teenager, I would try to deal with my sin by hiding it. I would try to deal with my sin by ignoring it. And if I'm being completely honest with you this morning, I'm, I'm not quite sure I've gotten out of that rhythm I think my initial instinct when I fail is to hide it, to ignore it. My instinct is not to bring it before God. And you and I both know that sin thrives in the darkness, doesn't it? Sin loves to stay hidden. Sin loves to stay silent. And, and, and when it does, in that environment of darkness, in that environment of shame, in that environment of silence, in that environment where it is not brought before God, it's like a cancer that, that grows and it spreads and it doesn't just affect you, but it affects everything in your life, in, in our life, right? And I think as I was reflecting on it this morning, I think one of the reasons that you and I on a daily, break, uh, daily basis do not bring our failure, do not bring all our junk before God is because we think he's tired of hearing it. Don't we? We think 
he's tired of hearing it. I mean, some of us have, have been bringing the same sins before him since our first DC Talk concert, right? Um, for some of us, we've almost been disillusioned that there could be any other way of life. And we think that God has certainly gotten to the point where he says, okay, I, you know, you've been doing this so often, you're going to come to me again with this? Seriously? Do you know all the times that I've forgiven you? Right? We think God's going to respond like that. We may know theologically that he's not, but practically. And so what do we do? We hide it. We stuff it down. We don't reveal it to him, and we don't reveal it to anyone else. And like a cancer, it grows. It grows. It grows. Um, but that's not who God is. God is a good and loving Father, and he daily wants you to bring all your junk and failures before him. Daily he wants to. He wants you to come before Him. He wants you to open up your heart. And the next day when you fail and you mess up again, He wants you to do it again and again and again and again. This is the day in and the day out breath of the Christian life. This should be our, our instinct. Is when we fail, when we mess up, even if it's the same thing, is to immediately bring it before God. And the amazing thing that the Scripture says, the amazing things that you and I both know cognitively, but we definitely need to hear this morning, is that when we bring all our junk before Him, when we bring our failure before Him, when we bring all of that sin, we are met immediately with what? Grace. Grace. And He does not grow weary in giving grace to you. He does not grow weary in giving grace mercy to you. Maybe you've heard this before. His mercy is what each day? It's new. It's new. Um, uh, uh, we have a lot of kids at Shades Valley, and normally if a kid comes up to me and they're old enough, I'll say, give me a high five, and they give me a high five. They slap my hand, and I go, ow, that hurts, and they laugh. It gets a laugh like 90% of the time, and after I do that, what do they do? Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And finally I get to the point where what? I, I'm just done, right? I think in that type of energy, do it again, do it again, do it again. That type of energy, that is the energy with which God gives his grace and his mercy towards you. He gives it again and again and again. And like a child does not grow weary, he does not grow in doing it. Bring your sin, your junk, everything before him each day. Because you know the amazing things that happens when we do this? When you and I do this? Um, when we daily, I'm, I'm talking daily people, when we daily bring our failures before him, he begins to transform our hearts to be somebody who is compassionate to others, who is kind to others, who is patient to others. Look at verse 12 with me in Colossians 3, 12. God says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. 
bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. What's Paul tell the church to do here? He says, you need to selflessly love one another. You, you need to bear with one another. That's easier said than done, right? But he doesn't just tell them to do that. He places their new identity before them. Again, he says, you're people that have been chosen by God. Think of the king in the streets that it's come to you. You've been made holy by God. You are loved by God. You've been forgiven by God. When you become somebody that daily brings all your junk before God and then you hear the good news of the gospel, you hear that you're forgiven, you can't help but be a person that forgives others. You can't help but be a person that is compassionate towards others. You can't help but be a person who serves others. Why? Because daily you are being served by Jesus Christ. Daily you are being forgiven by Jesus Christ. Daily you are seeing his compassion. Daily you are seeing your failures. And so as this daily rhythm begins to happen in our life, something begins to happen within us where we have this patience towards others. Where we have this spirit-empowered forgiveness towards others. Why? Because we're bringing our sin and our failure before God and we're hearing the good news of the gospel Something else will happen to you as well as you begin this daily practice of bringing all your junk before God and hearing the news of the gospel. And that is that you will begin to become somebody that can confess your sins with others. You will begin to become a person who can confess your sins with others. Um, I, I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now, I really am. Um, I think many of us in here are guilty of placing our identity, our worth as a person, and our ability to keep it all together. I think we're placing our identity in our ability to keep it all together, in our ability to be the person that doesn't have any problems, in our ability to be the person that doesn't have any issues. Can I especially speak to the men? I think we have the temptation to put on this outer shell of strength that is actually weakness. If you are someone, I'm speaking to men and women here, if you are someone who can't remember the last time that you confessed your sins to somebody, that's not an act of strength, that's an act of weakness. Right? The gospel says that our identity is grounded in who Jesus is and not who we are. And therefore, that empowers us to be a person that doesn't have to find ourselves in this outward appearance of strength that really isn't strength at all. It empowers us to be people who can confess our sins to others, to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. This is what's going on in my life right now. It's so ugly that I didn't think I could share it to anyone, but but I'm going to share it with you. The Lord has convicted me of this. Uh, j just the other week, my, my wife and I were at Kerrigan's at dinner. I was getting the panko fried chicken, which is phenomenal. It's so good. And in the midst of that, as we were sitting in this bar eating dinner, there was just this spirit-filled moment where my wife and I had a moment of confession with one another. 
And I confessed things to her that I needed to confess at the beginning of my marriage. And she did the same to me. And what happened in that moment is we both confessed to one another. And then what happened? We both got to preach the good news of the gospel to one another. I got to tell my wife that she is a beloved daughter of the king and that she's forgiven of her sin and that I forgive her. And she got to look at me and tell me that I'm a beloved son of the king and that the sins that I committed did not define me, that that's not who I am. And we felt this closeness and this intimacy with one another. What if our marriages at Shades Valley were marked by a daily confession by one another. It, it's not about sin, or excuse me, it's not about shaming ourselves. It's not about beating ourselves up. What's it about? It's about being real with one another. It's about putting away the facade. And it's about having the opportunity to, to hear the good news of the gospel. And to have the opportunity to have others in your life preach the good news of the gospel to preach the good news of the gospel. Shades, if I could plead with you, may we devote ourselves to the practice of daily putting our new identity before us. And may we do this by bearing our souls before God so that we can receive his mercy and his grace and we can hear our true identity. And that we also may be a people that then can be transformed to show God's love and mercy and grace and to forgive others where they don't deserve it in this church and all in the city of Birmingham, and also that we may be a people that can confess to one another, that can lay down our pride. Also that we may know God and may reflect his goodness in this city. In this city. Amen.